It was a thrilling weekend in the Stanley Cup playoffs with five game sevens. And our local experts are here with the biggest stories from all five of them, all coming up on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad to be with you today and every Monday as we break down the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. We have got a lot to discuss on today's show. There were five Game 7s in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs this weekend, and we have got local experts from all five series to break them down and give you our key takeaways as the NHL prepares for Round 2. So let's get started and start bringing in our local experts. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked on Leafs, Mike DiStefano. And Mike, uh, wow, what a heartbreaking way to end a season. I mean, a lot of people thought this was the year. Talk to me about what happened in Game 7 and and, and where the Leafs came up short. Well, they came up short on the scoreboard, Gil. That's that's where they came up short, right? Um, Look, Toronto, uh, you know, Gave it, gave it through all, gave a pretty good effort, but at the end of the day, they lost to a pretty good team. Um, but it was, you know, in years past, you, you've seen this club go out and lay absolute, lay eggs in game seven. Not necessarily the case in this one. So they at least gave it their all. But this is six straight years with a first round uh, elimination from this club. And this year felt like it was going to be different. I believe thoroughly that this team was going to figure out a way to dig deep and get it done. The way they played, the way they were scoring goals, and it just there's a different vibe coming from this team. They were saying all the right things, and at the end of the day, they 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 tricked me. They tricked me, Gil. I thought this was going to be the year that they were going to get it done, but uh, another first-round elimination. And, and look, they went all the way to Game 7, lost by one goal in Game 7, lost by one goal in Game 6. You know, game six goes to overtime. And at the end of the day, that's all they needed was one goal in one of those two games. And this could be a, a much different podcast here today. But alas, you know, it's that's six straight years, same result. Six straight years, same result. So what has to change here in Toronto? I mean, it's such a talented team. No yeah. denying the roster is stacked top to bottom. The goaltending didn't seem to be the issue in this series, really. I mean, you got solid net mining. Yeah. What has to change to get this team over the six-year first-round hump? I feel like if I if I knew the answer, I would charge Brendan Shanahan and company a hefty fee to give them uh, the, the the roadmap to the second round. I don't know is, is the honest answer. Uh, I don't think that this is a team that's going to blow up by any any stretch of the imagination. Maybe one guy moves uh, and the one that kind of, 
you circle as the easiest, I guess, to to see getting dealt out the door would be like a William Nylander type of player. Uh, you know, great season. He had like 80 points this year, basically a point per game player, and he's only making 6.9 million. So it's a digestible contract that you can move out. And that's the only big change that I could really see happening. I mean, they got to get Jack Campbell locked up this offseason. They're pretty tight up against the cap. They've got a couple other UFAs that they'd probably like to bring back, some RFAs that they got to get uh, re-signed, and not a whole lot of cap to get it done. So it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kyle Dubas, the general manager, is going to have the next couple of weeks, probably going to look at his board and see exactly what they could do to make this team better, uh, but like they broke records this year. This is the the greatest Toronto Maple Leafs team ever built by statistical standards. I mean, talent wise, I guess it's up for debate, but statistically, you know, they broke records, multiple records, whether it was individuals with Austin Matthews scoring 60 goals, never done before in a Maple Leafs uniform, whether it's them having, you know, 118 point season, which is far surpasses, you know, the record that they had set a few years back uh, for, for points by the team overall. It was a great year, but at the end of the day, something has got to give, I think, going six years to the well at the same core, same cast of characters. I, I think we'll see one move uh, kind of get done. I don't know who it'll be. I don't know what it'll be, but I think I'd be shocked to see the exact exact same core moving forward in the next season, Gil. Is there one area of the team that you feel they need to address the most right now heading into this offseason? That's the weird part, man. I thought that they addressed all the areas pretty adequately this year to kind of get it done. You know, they went out and they added at the deadline, bringing in Labushkin and Mark Giordano to add to the depth on this blue line. I thought they had the the guns, the horses on the back end to get it done. Uh, Up front, obviously, they've got some big boys in Matthews and Marner, but Tavares, Nylander, both point-per-game type of players. Maybe they could add one more guy up front and and maybe balance out the score and get a little bit more from their depth. But you had guys like Engvall and Mikheyev step up this year in the playoffs. David Camp stepped up. You got a little bit of, of action from your depth. And then goaltending, you know, I think Jack Campbell's the answer, probably the guy that they're going to want to roll with going forward. He played spectacularly, I would say, in the playoffs. A little bit of a up-and-down regular season, but he found himself late and, and kind of got the job done, gave the team every opportunity to win this series. It's definitely not on him. Uh, so it, it's tough because it seems like they found the right nucleus to get it done, but at the same time, due to the salary cap, they're not going to be able to keep this same group together and run it back. Uh, you know, Mikheyev is a UFA. Labushkin, Giordano's a UFA. You've got some RFAs who are going to be getting some more money. You have Morgan Riley's contract extension kicking in. So there's some going to be some interesting uh, situations when it comes to trying to finagle the cap to put together a quality team. But I thought they did a good job this year, and it's upsetting that it only lasted seven games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do you think this is a, a, a chemistry or a leadership issue or maybe the the pressure of playing in Toronto with all the media scrutiny and the history? You know, this team hasn't won a Stanley Cup in 55 years. Do those things enter into the equation? The team's cursed. That's the answer for you, Gil. <laughs> the team is cursed, my man. I mean, six years in a row, I've watched the same the same movie over and over and over again. It's Groundhog Day. 
And when I say it's cursed, I, I, I legitimately am starting to believe it. You know, I didn't for a couple of years. I was like, ah, you know, the team just kind of isn't good enough to get it done. But the last couple of years, they've been the better team. Uh, and they definitely should have won, but a couple bad bounces, a couple bad breaks, you know, phantom high sticking call, or, you know, they take a, a stupid random penalty. Someone possesses their mind and, and Galchenyuk gives up a pizza up the middle and completely changes that entire series last year. And, you know, it's just a couple of bad breaks and bounces going against them each and every year, and they never seem to get the bounce in their direction. And I say that's a curse. It's It's got to be a Game 7 curse for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the way that I think they're going to have to get to kind of exercise it, they got to win it in six games. You know, they got to get a Game 6 win next season, and it sucks because now you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, next year doesn't really matter. And a lot of Maple Leafs fans are going to sit there and say, you can do whatever the heck you want. You guys broke records, set multiple records, both personal and team records all last season. You could do the same thing this upcoming year. Wake me up in the playoffs and get it done then because that's ultimately the only goal that Leaf fans have for this team at this point. Make it through to the second round of the playoffs and obviously more than that. But let's start with step number one. Mike, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the podcast, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast from audio version up on YouTube as well. Locked on Leafs. And you can find myself at Mickey underscore Canuck on uh, on Twitter. All right. Mike DiStefano, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, anytime, Gil. And today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. The Carolina Hurricanes scored a dramatic 3-2 win over the Boston Bruins to win Game 7 of their opening round playoff series. And Jared Ellis of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes is with us to discuss it. And Jared, how big a win was this for the Hurricanes organization? I think this was a very, very big win for the Hurricanes. Obviously, their playoff run is continuing, and that's great, obviously. I'm never going to say that's bad. But I think this was a very important win uh, for the franchise uh, because you know, the Bruins, I believe, they, they are the team that we have faced the most in the playoffs. I believe this year was the fifth time. We have faced them in the postseason, and of course, in recent memory, they've been the team that we can't get past in the playoffs. You know, you go back to 2019 in the conference final, you go back to 2020 in the bubble in Toronto, the Bruins have been that team that the Hurricanes can't get past, and you know, to be able to exercise those demons, I guess you would say, and get past them, like, you know, back in the early 2000s with the New Jersey Devils, you know, to be able to get past that team that's giving you those issues, get over that hump. I think that's really, uh, really big for these guys. And especially for those guys that were on those teams in 2019 and 2020. 
Max Domi steps up a three-point night in a three-to-two win. Talk about his contribution and what it meant in Game 7 and throughout the series. I think it is one that uh, took a lot of folks by surprise, honestly. I, you know, you look at our host group chat, you know, no one was expecting that. You look at the fans on Twitter and social media, no one is expecting Max Domi to go off the way he did in that game because as a whole in the series, aside from a few moments here and there, bit of a non-factor. And then he goes out in game seven and is the game seven hero. You know, and it's obviously, you know, we love to see that, you know, moving on to the next round, of course. I just want to see him be able to keep that up. You know, let's not let it be a one-and-done type situation. You know, you look at uh, 2019 against the Capitals, like our last big game seven type situation. Brock McGinn, yeah, he scores that double OT winner over the Capitals. It wasn't just a one-and-done thing with him. You know, he continued to be a big part of the Hurricanes team up until he left in free agency. So I want to see Max Domi continue to have success and not let it just be a one-and-done type thing. Talk to me about Antti Ranta, the goaltending. I mean, he really stepped up when it counted most. Yeah, this is exactly what the – uh, ownership and general manager Don Waddell and all those folks. That was what they were wanting whenever they brought Auntie Ronta in this offseason. You know, they obviously know, you know, he's not going to be the number one guy. You know, we all know that. But we want a capable, you know, number two option that can carry you if your number one's out. You know, Freddie Anderson, you know, hopefully he'll be back for round two, but we don't know right now. And Auntie Ronta, you know, he's really taking the bull by the horns here and you know in his playoff games that he's had he's been fantastic you know and he's obviously dealt with injuries throughout his career we're all well aware of that and you know, the stuff that he's had to overcome there and then just this season just in the past shoot months you know at the end of the regular season dealing with injuries getting knocked out by Pasternak in i think it's game 2 and you know, dealing with that stuff and then coming back and playing out of his mind and, you know, being everything the Hurricanes wanted whenever they signed him and brought him in. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when Freddie is healthy, see what the Hurricanes decide to do. In my opinion, I think you go just go with a hot set of hands. Uh, I think you just stick with Ronta until he shows you that, you know, you need to change things up. It, but yeah, I'm going to enjoy the ride, you know, for as long as he's in the net. Talk to me a little bit. Give me an unsung hero on as a forward and as a defenseman who really helped the Hurricanes win this first round series. Oh, as a forward, that, mm, that one, I, I, the name that immediately comes to mind. Not necessarily the most unsung, but Seth Jarvis. The kid is playing out of his mind. He's so freaking good. You know, he obviously scored uh, you know, two goals in game one. You know, he scored the first playoff goal for the Hurricanes this run. And you know, I just think yeah, he's flying a bit under the national radar. You know, obviously in Raleigh and North Carolina, 
yeah, folks are aware, well aware, you know, just how good he is and how good of a series he is having. But yeah, on the national level, it's the big names grabbing the headlines. I think Seth Jarvis, he's been great. Uh, you also look, I mean, just honorable mentions or whatever for your forwards, just your third line, Niederreiter, Stahl, Faust, great line. As far as defensemen go, uh, I would say Brett Pesci. I think he'd be the most unsung hero there on defense. I think he's had a really good series. Same with Jacob Slavin as well. Uh, yeah, he's obviously the bigger name, and you know neither of the guys are you know ones that you know, put up a bunch of points or yeah you know, anytime they're not offensive defensemen. They are defensive defensemen, and they go out and play good defense. Jacob Slavin, you watch him, he puts on a clinic every single game. And, you know, Brett Pesci, he's been another guy. He's had a tremendous series and playing really, really good hockey. Jared, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, uh, you can find Locked on Hurricanes wherever you're listening or watching to this podcast. It's going to be on all streaming platforms and on YouTube at Locked on Hurricanes. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Hurricanes and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. All right, Jared, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Always. Joining me now is Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. First, want to say thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Hunter what a series this was and, and a tough way for it to end for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, just, you know, I've learned, you know, over the years, I've obviously been doing this a while with them making the playoffs every year. Um, I wasn't really upset, more so just sad, you know, just because this, this, could be, this could be it for a few players that have blessed my life since I was seven years old second, third grade in elementary school. And now I'm going to be 25 this year and I, I work full time. It, it's crazy just how, you know, fast time flies. Um, Penguins, they had it multiple times. They blew three leads in a row. And it, it's not good enough. And, you know, I, I thought the Penguins steamrolled the Rangers in this series. Five on five. They controlled 63% of the expected goals. They controlled every underlying number. But as usual, there is equalized. Special teams, Penguins got screwed up with those. And Shesterkin, even though he was not God, he was better than what they had, especially Louis Dominion in five of the games. Tristan Jari, I'm not really going to criticize him tonight. I thought he played his butt off. Obviously, he was playing injured. Um, you know, they were 545 away. You know, if they don't make that turnover in the defensive zone, they potentially win that game. But they also lose uh, two multi-goal leads in game five and game six. Yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, the the special teams did well for the Penguins in Game 7. You had two power play goals and a shorty, but uh, a little controversy with the game-tying goal with the uh, helmet coming off and, and the Penguins having to change a player late. Your your thoughts about that particular goal? It's just a dumb rule. Um, I've never really cared for it. Um, I understand why it's in place. I'm I'm more so mad. I mean, I know the refs aren't going to call it just because this is playoff officiating here. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, but I'm more so mad that they, they had four failed clearing attempts before that happened and they couldn't get the fuck out. Um, sure, Pedersen comes off, but Marino has the puck in the corner. 
and he sends it to the middle of the ice. That's not where you want to send the puck. You want to either crap it there in the corner or you want to send it around again so it's not at a prime scoring chance where Tristan Jari has to come up with a big save because he was bailing the team out a lot throughout the night. Um, and at the end of the day, he made a mistake, but Tang wasn't able to block it or get a stick on it. And credit to Mika Zibanejad. He was a ghost for the first five games of the series. He decides to want to play like God for the final two games and then get the uh, game time goal. Um, so credit to him. That's a heck of a shot. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if any goalie in the league is stopping that. But I mainly blame the Penguins, the, the, whoever was on the ice at the time. I believe it was the fourth line, but the Rodney Kitts line was out there. Um, I blame the five skaters for not playing good down defensive hockey um, because that, that was the final stretch. You're in the final six minutes. You have to slam the door. And I know that the helmet coming off is not good. It's a stupid rule. You know, but they were able to get a skater on. You've got to make a better decision in that, in, that, in that situation. Point blank. If Tristan Jarry was healthy, do the Pittsburgh Penguins win this series? Yes. Yes. I, 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 fir- I firmly believe that. Um, I, you know, he was great tonight. I think he was silencing his playoff doubters from last year. He was also playing hurt. Um, you saw some of the – I'm sure you, you obviously, I think, watched the game too. There's some of the saves that he made. Louis Domingue does not save. It, w- it would probably be a 4-1, to one, essentially 5-1 to one game going into um, the third period. It was 3-2 to two Pittsburgh. He was making the windmills. He was going, moving side to side just fine. You know, sure, he gave up a couple goals that maybe looked like he was rusty, but – the guy, he was obviously playing hurt. He had an ice pack on his foot. It was not fully healed. And he still gave the team a heck of a shot to win this series. If he is fully healthy with the way the Penguins play deal, I 100% believe the Penguins win this series. You mentioned some of the players you've been following since you were in elementary school may not be back with the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. What do you want to see from this offseason? What do you expect to see from this off season from the Penguins? It's a great question, Gil. Um, I don't have all the answers just yet. Um, I would like to see them bring back Gino and Latang. Um, I would sign. I love Evgeny Malkin. I think Chris Latang is more important to their long-term to the success. They have no one to replace him. I mean, who's out there? John Klingberg? I mean, he's probably going to get a lot of money, but otherwise, you look, you scour the free agent market. Really not a lot of high-end, top-pairing players there. Chris Letang just at a new career high in points. He is the best franchise defenseman in this franchise's history. He deserves to get paid. I understand, you know, maybe the new ownership group is going to be a little bit cautious. I, I, the contract talks really haven't picked up just yet. But I would still pay him and give him a three- to four-year deal. Evgeny Malkin, he makes 9-5. I would cut that down to maybe 6.5, 7 if you can. 7 probably... I'm fine with it. 6.5, I think, would be a really nice sweet spot. He's open to taking a discount. From then on, you know, I think you get a, a veteran backup to help Tristan Jari. I, you know, Casey Smith, fine second half of the year, but the consistency has always been an issue. I still, I still like Tristan Jari. I think he's going to be given another shot next season. They also have to create some salary cap space because very confident his three million could be up. Do you without Brian Dumoulin? What happens with Jason Zucker? You know, there's so many opportunities here for the Penguins to create cap space to make the team younger, make the team faster, you know, get, you know, you know, at both forward and, you know, defense. So they're going to have some options here. What I would not do, do not fire Mike Sullivan. That would be a very stupid overreaction. He proved again in this series that he's a top five coach. It is not his fault that his special teams 
and his goaltending won Panthea on them. I do not think this team has gotten good goaltending since 2017 when Matt Murray was 937 after he took over. 2018, he was fine. The Capitals just had a better year. But since then, they have gotten awful goaltending in the playoffs. And it's it's really just screwed over so many good performances. Because these last couple of years, I, I could argue, even against, I think, your Islanders feel that I thought the Penguins outplayed them. It was just sorry was not good. Even this year, especially against the Rangers, I think they were the better team. But in a small sample size, I think the better team doesn't always win. But, you know, the Rangers credit to them. They were able to move on. But it's going to be – this is a this is the most pivotal point in this franchise's history probably in the last 20 years, I would think. Going to be a very interesting offseason in the Steel City. Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Um, for those Penguin fans who listen to the national show, I thank you all so much for another incredible season. It's not going to stop there. A whole bunch of off-season content coming your way. Um, definitely stings that it ended this way. I thought they were going to win this series. Um, that's for sure. It just it, it, it stinks. That, that's a big one. All right. Hunter Hodes, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories but packed 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake puffs and I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now and we can't promise that they will be there tomorrow, so get them today at Built.com. If you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you in on a little secret because that's what friends do. A chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. Yeah, you heard me. Delicious, flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with Built's birthday cake puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake, enrobed it in 100% white chocolate, and added sprinkles with 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and only 9 grams of sugar. This limited-time flavor is an amazing option if you're looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. Go to Built.com to get birthday cake puffs now. It's Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. We'll give you 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, glad to be with you as I am every Monday. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Brett Holden, the host of Locked On Edmonton Oilers. And Brett, your team getting the job done in a big spot in Game 7. I mean... All right, let's let's start with the obvious. Connor McDavid, you know, it almost looked like he willed his team to victory uh, on Saturday. Talk about that performance and and what it means for the Oilers and for his stature as one of the best players in hockey. 
Well, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it because back in 2015 when the Edmonton Oilers drafted this guy, all of the Edmonton Oilers fans sat there waiting for this exact moment for the game seven and Connor McDavid delivered. He played 27 minutes and 23 seconds. The most he's played all series. Almost. I almost said all season, almost all the entire series. He played 27 minutes and it showed the guy was fantastic. The Kings tried to put Philip Deneau on him throughout the entire game, but the guy's not going to play 27 minutes. Philip Deneau is as good as a defensive forward can get, but he's just not going to cover Connor McDavid for 27 minutes. And Connor McDavid showed why he is the best player in the world in game seven. Talk about that goal because it was just spectacular. It was, it's like watching the beer league ringer come out and play in the third period. The guy came from the blue line, had the puck the entire way, got hooked, lost it, brought it back, got stopped, and then roofed it still with, what, two men on him? Like, the the guy, like I said, it's like a, a professional in beer league hockey that Sean Dursey was just sitting there waiting until somebody told him to do something. It was, it was <laughs> phenomenal. I, 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 the work ethic on him is exactly what you expect. And that's what you get from him. Would be remiss if we overlook the contributions of Mike Smith, a shutout in game seven, his second shutout of the series. Talk to me about his performance in this series and what it means for the Oilers going forward. Well, a lot of people really got on Mike Smith after game one. And obviously he even admitted to the fact that he made a mistake in game one, potentially probably lost them the game in game one, had all the fans there and just really got the jitters to. And I mean, a lot of Oilers fans were sitting there throughout the whole series, clinched fists, wondering when the next mistake was going to happen. That never came for Mike Smith. Mike Smith locked in from game one after that mistake. And even the games that the Oilers did lose, even that 4 nothing game, a lot of people can't just sit there and blame Mike Smith. There were tips. There were a lot of other factors into it. But Mike Smith stayed constant, and that is massive for the Oilers' success in the playoffs. Massive, massive. You know, the Oilers do not usually get a lot of attention for their defense. But talk to me about some of the defensemen and, and who – quietly stood out in this series uh excuse me uh i'll take cody cc for 200 please oh my goodness what is that (laughs) i i mean darnell nurse you, you you can talk about darnell nurse as much as anybody can but cody cc and brett kulak the way they have stepped up in this series and hopefully in the next series for the oilers has done wonders for them i remember when the oilers first signed cody cc in the offseason Oh, and everyone's like, oh, do you mean the guy from Toronto? Oh, you mean the guy the Senators had? And then uh, on the other side, the Penguins fans are going, please, please take care of him. Please take care of him. And you see why. Because in Game 7, he has a goal and five assists in this series. He's the most productive defenseman in that entire series that included Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard and Sean Dursey. Yeah, he certainly looked outstanding. Wanted to ask you briefly about the LA Kings. I mean, most people didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year. They extend Edmonton to seven. Talk about what they were like as an opponent and what they accomplished in this series. 
Well, as somebody who's gone down to Los, I have family down in Los Angeles, so I've always been able to kind of consume Kings content and games. And they, for people who don't really follow the Kings, they are gritty and they've always been gritty since they won the cup in what, 20, 2012, I believe it was. So when they went out there, when the Oilers got this matchup, you knew you were playing Dustin Brown, Andre Kopitar, and Jonathan Quick. And as Oilers fans sat there and saw it, they were like, not again. <laughs> You're playing an experienced team. I mean, it, it honestly could have been like a Dallas team, and I don't want to put Dallas under the bus here because they are a fantastic team. But when you take a look at how Dallas potentially could have been lined up against the Oilers as opposed to the LA Kings, you're sitting there and you got the experience. you got the young tenacity of the guys like the Sean Derzies, like the Blake Lazots, like the Mario – or Mario, his brother, Adrian Kempes. It's – it, it was scary, just honestly. I'm going into game seven wondering, like, there's no way the Oilers can pull this off against this team. But they did. Indeed, they did. What, obviously, we don't know as of this recording who the next round opponent is going to be. But what are the keys for Edmonton to have a good round two and to make a long playoff run at this point? Well, they got to stay physical. Uh, I mean, you saw, especially at home for the Oilers, when they would go and bang bodies, it didn't even matter if you got an inch of the guy. The crowd is going crazy, crazy. It, you can just skate right into the boards and hit wall, and all the fans would go crazy. If you're going out there and banging bodies, Oilers fans are going to love it, and the energy is going to keep flowing through and eventually depending on where you do play whether that's in calgary or if that is in dallas if you're banging bodies and if you're banging bodies of the opposing team the fans are going to be tired of it they're just going to be like stop man please so the physicality will be massive for the oilers especially with vander kane who can score goals on top of being physical plus they got to start fast that was big for the oilers in any period first second or third they got to get a fast start early all right, Brett, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. Locked on Oilers is free and available wherever you find your podcast. That includes Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find them. Plus, we are up on YouTube as well. So make sure, excuse me, make sure you do go and find us and subscribe to us there. I'm also on uh, Twitter. All of my social medias are the real Holden40 as well. Locked on Oilers on Twitter. So make sure you follow us there as well. All right, Brett, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. And right now, it's, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On, Dallas Stars, Dane Lewis. And Dane, what an outstanding Game 7 that was and a tough one for the Stars to come up short in OT. Yeah, that that's fun is the the perfect word to describe the game that just transpired. I mean, as we're recording this, we're just a few minutes removed from that game and it's a, it's a disappointing loss for the Dallas Stars, but, I mean, you look at Jake Ottinger, and if you're a fan of this team or even just, you know, someone who watches hockey casually or just, you know, been watching the playoffs game by game, you, you have to have taken notice of Jake Ottinger and know that he is one of the best goalies in the league. I, I think there's been a debate around it all season, uh, but after this playoff series, I think that there's no debate that he's got to be top five goalie in the NHL and probably uh, was maybe the best goalie in the first round of this playoffs. 62 saves in this game, and yet it wasn't quite enough. And Johnny Goudreau ending it in OT. And I'll tell you, I give the Dallas Stars a lot of credit. 
after watching that game. Uh, Ettinger, as you said, was spectacular. And here was a team that for the first 40 minutes, I mean, they were getting outshot so, so badly. And yet they hung in there. They kept coming back. They stayed positionally sound. They got the great goaltending and they, they forced overtime. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of been the story of the stars this season, getting outshot in a lot of situations and having their goalies bail them out, whether it was Jake Ottinger, Scott Wedgwood or Braden Holtzby. Uh, And so it's somewhat fitting and poetic that this is how it all kind of ends for Dallas this season. But at the same time, I mean, that's been a strength of this team for the past several years. And, you know, you look even back to that cup run in 2020. I mean, Anton Hudobin was having similar performances in 2019, uh, game seven of that second round series against the Blues. It's almost the same thing. Ben Bishop doing everything in his power to will the stars to the Western Conference finals. But the offense just not there in the late stages. And eventually the the Blues got one through then. And then Gaudreau, like you said, gets that uh, that shot off a rebound tonight. What does this team need to add to to get to the next step to to make a longer playoff run next season yeah i think the easy answer is they have to have more versatility on the offensive side of the ice i mean that's just been the story of this team this season is the good goaltending and a really good top line and then everything else was just kind of like we don't know what we're getting on a night-to-night basis and so i think that there are some guys at the prospect level that could make the lineup really interesting if the coaching staff and organization decide to move those guys up. And we'll, we'll of course, see how that progresses as the offseason goes through and we get to training camp and preseason. But there, there's some really interesting prospects. And even in the draft, I think you have to potentially look and see what forward talent is going to be available in that that mid to late first round. I, With the Stars being in the playoffs, haven't done a whole lot of prospect research, but now we're going to get to dive into that a little bit on on Locked on Stars and see who the best fit might be for this team offensively because that's just what this team needs if they want to take their game to the next level because uh, the goaltending's there. I think the defense is there with guys like Miro Haskinen. Uh, you just got to find guys that can provide some consistent scoring outside of that pavelski hence robertson line. You know, talk to me about some of the veterans. I mean, Ryan Suter, you know, Certainly not the player he was five, six years ago, but he had quite a run also with this team. You, you mentioned the blue line. They they really did look strong throughout most of this season and most of this series. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there was certainly some lapses. I know there were a few goals, I believe, in game four that Ryan Suter just a little bit too slow. I mean, like you said, not the player he once was. And guys like Johnny Gaudreau can skate with just about anybody in this league. And so there's a little bit of age on that in that defensive core. I mean, even with guys like Joel Hanley and Andre Sekera, who played a lot of games this year. And then even, you know, John Klingberg, who's in his early 30s, Esselin Dell. Uh, kind of in that that middle age area as well as far as NHL careers go. So I think there's a good balance of veteran, you know, expertise, but also still some some young, fiery, passionate guys like Yanni Hockenpah, who I think had a fantastic series for the Stars, and and the aforementioned Miro Haskinen as well. So I think defensively the Stars are going to be okay. Maybe you go out and try to add um, another defenseman, or you know, maybe draft a defenseman. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the top priority for Dallas in the offseason, or it shouldn't be, but. If they're able to to stumble across someone to, you know, fill a spot in that lineup, you know, we'll uh, we'll see if we can maybe get some more production from the defense because I do think the defensemen struggled offensively this season for Dallas. Really, not till later in the season did we see John Klingberg kind of return to form, and even Miro Haskin. I think he only had four or five goals on the regular season, so we'll we'll need to see if we can get the defensemen to be a little bit more productive on the offensive side of the ice. 
And who are some of the prospects uh, in the organization up front who you mentioned might be able to help the team in a year or two? Yeah, I think the biggest name right now is Maverick Bork. He was the, the first round pick for the Stars back in 2020. And he played some pretty substantial minutes in the preseason at, with the NHL club and has spent uh, the rest of his season playing in Canada. I'm forgetting now which team he plays for. It's a really long name. Uh, and it's hard for me to keep up with all the different leagues and and uh, organizations up there. But I know he's had a pretty good season. And then both 2021 uh, first and second round picks for the Stars, Wyatt Johnston and Logan Stankoven, have had really good seasons in uh, Canada as well with their junior clubs. And so you have guys like that, and you have some guys at the AHL level who did see some minutes with the Stars, guys like Riley Tufty, Riley Damiani, um, who played some pretty substantial roles this season, and some of those guys even scoring some goals uh, that that you know have kind of had quiet seasons at the AHL level, had to come up due to injury or uh, guys getting benched. And so the, the the future seems pretty bright. I don't know if we have the best prospect core in the NHL, but there's certainly some guys that could really come out and, and become future stars in this league. Your thoughts about the next round, Battle of Alberta, Edmonton, and Calgary. Uh, you obviously have seen seven games of the Flames just recently. Some preliminary thoughts on that series. Yeah, if, if it's any consolation prize for the hockey world, and I guess for Stars fans, we now get to to watch one of the best rivalries in the league uh, with Calgary and Edmonton going at it. And both, I mean, Calgary and Edmonton both coming off uh, seven game seven wins. So I think that there is going to be a lot of war of attrition in that series to see who has the mental edge as far as toughness. Um, I mean, obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys want to prove that, you know, they're not just good in the regular season. They want to take care of business in the postseason and try to bring, you know, the Stanley cup back to Edmonton. But at the same time, this flames team uh, has just kind of crowned themselves as world beaters since around the midpoint of this season where they just took the league by storm and took that Pacific division by storm. So I think we, we could potentially be in for another seven game series with these two teams. And, you know, if the stars weren't going to go all the way, I, I did know I was like, well, maybe we'll get the the battle of Alberta and that'll, you know, hopefully be entertaining enough that I can uh, forget that my team lost in the first round. Yeah. Should be an interesting off season in big D. I know you'll have it all covered for everybody on locked on stars. Dane, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, on YouTube as well as all podcasting platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, and on YouTube, we are actually, I believe, 10 subscribers away from 300. So if you're listening and like Dallas Stars Hockey, be sure to go drop a subscription over on YouTube. It's just locked on stars. And then uh, you can find myself on Twitter, just at Dane, two underscores, Lewis. And then our show can be found on Twitter as well, just at Locked on Stars. All right, Dane Lewis, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course, Gil, always a pleasure. All right, that's going to do it for this special Game 7 edition of the Locked on NHL podcast. I want to thank all of my guests, uh, Brett Holden, Jared Ellis, Mike DiStefano, Hunter Hodes and Dane Lewis for joining me and discussing all the thrilling Game 7s that took place over the weekend, both from the winning and losing perspectives. So uh, had a great time doing this very special show. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. 
I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday. I also co-host the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL show with Rachel Donner. We've got great expert analysis all throughout the week with our variety of hosts here on Locked On NHL. And you can also check me out on Locked On Islanders. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.